Welcome to the Intention Training Podcast, where we talk about training, mindset, nutrition, wellness, and self-care. Welcome back to the Intention Training Podcast. Happy Mother's Day. Um, Today will be Season 2, Episode 9. We're going to talk about training for hypertrophy. Um... We were gone. We didn't. There was no episode last week. Um, we have an interview that we're hoping to get done, but we had to reschedule that. So that's why we're, we took a little break. Um, but we're back at it. Jen, what's new with you since we've been gone? Well, I came upon a small inheritance of a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I read some books. I have been learning Ojibwe or Anishinaabe Mon which would be my indigenous language. Um, I guess by learning, I mean like I'm watching YouTube videos. You're trying. Yeah, I'm trying. Um, I do like, so for me, bite-sized learning is the way to go. Um, Because if I spend like a whole day learning something, I don't have the mental capacity to do that again for a long time. So it's just not sustainable. Um, I do like 15 minutes every other day. So that's been really cool. And then just reading a lot for pleasure and Roy and I got bikes, so we've been doing a lot of unnecessary biking. They're from, like, the 1970s. Yeah, they're, like, really old-school Schwins, so that's been really fun. Um, anyways, that's what I'm doing. What about you? Um, I've mostly just been focused on getting ready for my physique show um, this summer, which is sort of tough because, I mean, nobody really knows if it's going to happen. But I'm so pre- wait, what are you gonna do if it doesn't happen? Good, um, <laughs> it's a good question. I think I'll probably just do some sort of photo shoot because I won't have gotten like really shredded for nothing. It's it's very challenging. It's hard. Um, we went to a few socially distant social things this weekend, and I wasn't able to eat the food, which is hard. Carrot cake, guys. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's what I signed up for. So um, I'm training hard, dieting hard, staying bought in. Um, I'm trying to finish up school online right now, which is tough because, as I was telling Jen earlier, professors seem to think that using excuses, the same excuses that students get called out for, like, oh, I had technical issues or my printer wasn't working or anything like that. Like, it seems like professors can just do that whenever they want. So I'll have... Tuesday, Thursday classes, and the professors will just decide to upload stuff on, like, a Saturday that was meant for Thursday. Um, So that's no fun. But I'm almost done. Finals are, like, the end of May, and then I have one class this summer. But other than that, I'm just reading a lot, um, reading a lot of different stuff. I'm trying to do a mix of, like, stuff more in the field of strength and conditioning and then some psychology stuff and then just some fun fiction too to give my brain a break um that's that's pretty much it nice yeah i've been doing um the long duration isometrics yeah they're really easy guys (laughs) they're really easy that's basically where you hold a specific position for a given amount of time so what what i've been doing every day is um one a, a single leg stand with your leg extended straight for three minutes total. So depending on the day, sometimes I'll break it up into like three sets of one minute or sometimes I'll just do three minutes straight through if it's like I haven't done any and it's, it's gotten to be night. 
Um, so a single leg stand with your legs straight extended, a single leg stand with your in like a march position. So with your hip flexed, um, that's three minutes as well. Um, one, I'm like the halfway position of a push up for three minutes. That one's the easiest one of all. <laughs> I wish I had a video of you doing it yesterday. So I was killing it. Um, and then lunges for three minutes on each leg. So, um, I would actually, I mean, it's obviously pretty challenging, but I'm noticing quite a few things. I think I've done it pretty, cons I've done it every day for, I want to say like two weeks now. And I had been dealing with a little bit of knee pain. Um, and that's pretty much completely gone. I had been dealing with some shin splints. Those are pretty much completely gone. So I definitely think. Why are you doing them in the first place? It's so good question. Um, and then hopefully we'll get to the, the topic here soon. But I think this is important as well. I'm, I'm doing them just because like overall athleticism and increasing like my jumping ability and sprinting ability is something that I'm very interested in. But with my show right now, I, I have to make that my number one priority. So I can't go off and be doing you know, take take anything away from the physique training. So this is one way where isometrics don't really cause much muscle damage. So you don't really get sore. Um, and when you when you hold an isometric at a specific position, Angle. it strengthens the joint and the muscle surrounding that joint at at and slightly above and slightly below that specific angle. So like for the lunge, for example, it's just a very applicable position for athletes and, and really people in general and that's I, I'm mostly doing it to kind of so when you do it when you contract a muscle for a long period of time your body is sending a bunch of oxygen and nutrients to that muscle so if like it, it can be really good for recovery it can be really good because it kind of just helps with like neuromuscular facilitation like you really get to feel that muscle contract and feel like you're calling on every single muscle fiber you have um, which I think has a big carryover to sports performance on top of that it's just a very mental thing because it fucking sucks and it's hard and you have to push Ooh, through it deep. this is an explicit podcast people know <sighs> that by now um, but that's why that's why I've been doing them and I've seen some good results so I, I mean I, I definitely think it's something people should give a shot if you've um, never done it before interesting stuff so today we are going to talk about training for hypertrophy um i guess we should first talk about like what is hypertrophy it's not hypertrophy i mean maybe what would that mean your trophy is really hyper <laughs> <laughs> okay so what is hypertrophy um technically it's an increase in growth in the cross-sectional area csa if you're a nerd of muscle cells um in in layman's terms we're basically talking about getting huge <laughs> <laughs> getting swole um yeah, so hypertrophy so, is, is gaining muscle size. Yeah, so like somebody walks into a party and physically they look buff. They probably just did a long hypertrophy phase. Whereas like I feel like some people are really strong, but you would never guess that yeah, by looking at I, them. I mean, that's what's wild is that like the amount of muscle you have does not necessarily mean, correlate to yeah. your strength because you, we'll see 
at a powerlifting meet every once in a while, you'll see someone who like, unless you saw them in their singlet, you would never know that they competed. But then mm-hmm. they go out on the platform and they're just super strong. This one guy who looked like Peter Pan, like he was wearing Peter Pan shoes. <laughs> and I think he weighed like 145 pounds. He pulled 400 plus something at a meet. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. It and was wild. You'll see like olympic weightlifters they're not that big but they're just extremely powerful and i think that goes to show how much of it is is neural how much Mm -hmm. of it is your nervous system um but theoretically we're talking about like in this episode we're gonna be talking about the bigger the cross-sectional area of that muscle or the big the bigger your muscle appears technically the more force you can exert from that muscle for sure even though that there like there are exceptions to that rule um in theory, that's what's supposed to happen. So to go along with that, let's talk a little bit about why someone might want to train for hypertrophy. So as Jen just said, there there is a greater potential for strength. You have more muscle. So theoretically, you can produce more force because you have more material to work with. Um, aesthetic purposes is probably the biggest one. People want to look good. Like Johnny Bravo. People, <laughs> not like Johnny Bravo. <laughs> people want to look good. Um, that's probably the number one reason people start exercising is because they want to look good naked. I think we hear that a lot. I don't just, personally like, hear that a lot. Yeah, I know. That's something I've never really gotten because you're not really naked that much. And it's like, I'd rather... But that's what people say. Yeah, but I mean, like, you want to like, look good in, beach, your, in your first day I, of school outfit. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so aesthetic purposes is a big one. Rehabbing from an injury is, is a big one. Um, changing your body composition. So that could be like, you're not technically losing a lot of weight, but the way your appearance the looks way you're is changing pretty drastically. And the way you use food too. Mm-hmm. Metabolically, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, gaining weight oftentimes goes hand in hand with hypertrophy and then injury prevention. Um, those are all very pop uh, popular yeah. reasons to pursue like a hypertrophy phase or a hypertrophy block so when we were putting this together um we had to kind of come to an agreement about what we were going to use as our framework for talking about training for hypertrophy because there are endless programs sets reps routines methodologies out there for training for hypertrophy but shameless plug and i'm not affiliated with lead fts in any way shape or form but there's tons of free programs on elite fts i would check there before you go to t nation or bodybuilding.com for sure okay sorry no that's okay um so this is going to be we're we're really what we're referencing here is one pretty comprehensive journal article from Brad Schoenfeld, who's a a very renowned researcher in the hypertrophy field. Um, And this was published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning in 2010. Um, So we're first going to refer to what he recommends and talk a little bit bit about how you can accomplish hypertrophy in the first place. Like what are the mechanisms of hypertrophy? How does it actually happen? And then we'll talk more generally about just what, what... what your options are and what types of broad rep ranges and sets and what the overall goal is when talking about training for hypertrophy. So um, with that said, Jen, you had a nice statement here when we were prepping about like what the overall goal is when training for hypertrophy. Would you be able to kind of reiterate that? Yeah. 
And I think like for this series that we have going on, we've tried to emphasize that simpler is in the in most cases better. And mm-hmm. the same goes for hypertrophy. So the goal of achieving and getting to muscular hypertrophy is to increase the amount of work done, um, you know, how much you're lifting per week by increasing sets, reps, frequency of your lifts, and or load over time. So you can do all of those things. You can do one of those things at a time and then add in another one. Um, You can do one and then the other. There's really no, it's pretty personal um, the way that can be approached, but it's just to increase the amount of work done over time Mm -hmm. because that's going to keep your muscles adapting. Um, And I think that it's going to be more helpful to put more reps in there rather than increase the load first because you when you put more reps in there, that's more time under tension and that's more like muscle contractions. And this is coming from a poli-sci major. No, so I mean, you're that's definitely one way to go about it. And that's what I was trying to say before is that I've read a lot about hypertrophy and obviously... It's a, a focus of mine in training. So like if we refer to any different expert, they're going to have a different opinion on whether you should progress with sets first or reps first, or whether you should change a rep range from one week to the next or one block to the next one training cycle to the next. Um, everyone has a different opinion about that. But what you said rings true in, in really everything in life, which is that over time, you need to keep progressing because we this it's the said principle, the specific adaptation to impose demands. Whatever you put on your body, your body is going to adapt to. So we have to continually challenge it however you want to go about doing that as long as it's smart and it's safe. So let's talk a little bit about how hypertrophy is actually achieved. So this is from the Schoenfeld article, but it's pretty well established that there are three ways to achieve muscular hypertrophy. The first being mechanical tension, which is basically just the force you impose on the muscle. How hard are you making it work? How much weight are you are you putting on it? How much stress are you putting on it, etc. The next one is going to be muscle damage, which we've talked about before how you actually have to tear down muscle to build it back up. So With this in mind, um, when training for muscle damage, you're going to want to put a big focus on the eccentric portion of the movement because when we look at a force velocity curve, we see that there is an inverse relationship between velocity and the amount of force produced. So if we're moving a lightweight at a very high speed, in other words, we can overcome gravity meaning we're lifting up if we're talking about like a bicep curl that's the concentric portion is when we're lifting up and that's going to be high velocity low force we talked about in the intro me doing isometrics where you're holding a joint angle um at like you're holding it at that specific angle that is almost like an even point where so there's no velocity right because you're not moving but there's more force because velocity has decreased and there's still contract contraction yep there's constant contraction and then if we move even further as velocity continues to decrease now it's gone negative and 
gravity is stronger than the force we're able to impose. So we're really fighting gravity on the eccentric, the downward portion. So if we're talking about a bicep curl, like I said before, the concentric portion, the high velocity portion, the low force portion is going to be lifting the dumbbell up, flexing your elbow. Then we have the isometric. So if you're holding at the top of a bicep curl, squeezing, that's the isometric. Then if we come back down and we're fighting gravity to slowly control that weight down, that's the eccentric contraction. That's where the most force is produced. So we want to elongate those contractions a little bit if we're talking about training for hypertrophy because that's where the most force is produced. That's where the most muscle damage is caused. So you could even say like from that perspective that making your reps longer Absolutely. Can achieve muscular hypertrophy um, instead of just doing them at the same pace. Right. I would say it's more efficient. Um, you're definitely challenging the muscle more. So in general, you want to focus on powerful, fast, fairly fast, but controlled concentric contractions, a slight squeeze on the top isometrically, and then a slow eccentric causing a lot of muscle damage. The last way you can um, achieve muscular hypertrophy is through metabolic stress, which is just the amount of metabolites that build up due to byproducts of... Oh, that's a cool word. <laughs> metabolites. Metabolites. You like that one? What does that mean? Just things that we have that... It, parts of reactions, basically. So our metabolism is the compilation of all the chemical reactions that take place in our body so those are those are things that are involved in those reactions so when we're talking about metabolites we're talking about the waste products basically that come from our our energy systems when they produce that energy for contraction for the muscle to work there's leftover things that are in that muscle that are causing stress. It's not ideal. It's not, the muscle is not comfortable. That's where metabolic stress comes in. That's brazy. So this is going to be how you're going to go about achieving this is, is more through higher repetitions, um, forcing that muscle to work for a long time so that it's, we're accumulating, we're, we're not able to get enough oxygen. We're having trouble removing CO2. Lactate is starting to creep in. It's getting real sciency. Um, that's basically when you, you feel like a wicked burn. That's that's that metabolic stress. So just to reiterate, we have we have mechanical tension, which is the force you impose on the muscle. Muscle damage, which is the the amount of damage that you're causing to a muscle. And like we talked about, you're gonna wanna accentuate the eccentrics for that. Metabolic stress, which is gonna be making muscles work for a long time um, and just keeping them under a lot of stress. Do you want to go into Schoenfeld's general recommendations, um, Jen? Yeah. So he basically says that um, a hypertrophy-centered program should feature moderate repetitions like 6 to 12 reps, 60 to 90 second rest periods in between sets, and some sort of like split routine. So a lot of people think like bodybuilding splits when it comes to this because you're able to, I mean, if you're going to do a whole body workout this way, it's going to take a lot longer. Yeah. I just wanted to jump in because, um, like you said, when people think about like bodybuilding, the, the typical thing, people think of like a body part split where you're hitting arms one day, you might have a chest day, you might have a separate back day. And then you should have a leg day, hopefully. Fingers but, crossed. I mean, there are endless ways you could do it. You can go push-pull legs. You can go chest and back. 
then arms, yeah, you then just... legs. You can. There are tons of ways you can split it up, but the goal in doing so is to be efficient with your time, to pick muscle, just be intentional with the way you're laying things out. Like, you don't want to have you don't want to have quads one day and have glutes the next because for your quads you're likely going to be doing some type of squatting movement which is then also going to hit your glutes mm -hmm. and then that's just not ideal so we just have to be smart about and the way we go about it it's not just about like isolation because if you're doing a ton of isolation movements you're not really taxing your metabolic system either um and that's not going to do great things for your coordination or for the way your body works as as like a synergistic system so yeah think yeah. about that when you're making up your split we will we'll talk about this a little bit more later but it's definitely something to consider when we talk about like machines can be great because you can isolate a specific muscle group that you want to work on you don't need you have artificial stability meaning like you don't have to worry about technique mm -hmm. very much or falling over but that's sort of a double-edged sword because by doing that you're then you're getting used to that so you're not really training stability you're not really training function so it's a trade-off and you just have to be conscious of that that's not to say you should never use machines it, it just it's important to also do compound free weight multi-joint exercises because you're gonna be able to exert more force that way Alrighty. right right yep so um, keep going so we ended with some sort of split routine and then incorporating sets to failure there's a way to be strategic about this that i'm not going to get into right now fast concentric repetitions so i like to think of concentric as when your muscle is condensing so bicep curls your bicep is condensing i've never heard of that before um yeah, those, those always used to get me. Um, slow eccentrics, so fast concentric repetition, slow eccentrics. The volume should gradually build before tapering off to allow for supercompensation to occur. So supercompensation meaning that your body is going to become sensitive to the stimulus all over again after taking a brief break, um, which will cause greater gains in the next microcycle. Yeah, so that's what's what's pretty cool about a lot of people ask like or a lot of my clients ask why I have them deload um and that's a big reason for it I mean of course it's just to give your body and your mind a break but it's also to re-establish that sensitivity to the stimulus so our hypertrophy program is generally going to look like four to eight weeks of hard work that's building up and accumulating over time and then you're eventually going to taper off and then you're going to get back at it, usually with new exercises, um, but you're still focusing on the same goal. All right. So that's a very functional model for hypertrophy. I think you, if you followed that to a T, you would be just fine. I think you would do very well with that. Let's let's talk about like what what a a, a lower split might look like for people because. When you say lower split, you mean like a beginner's program or like a yeah, lower so body? Yeah, so let's say somebody's looking to build all over muscular hypertrophy, but they split their day into upper lower. Okay. Their so days into upper lower. So, and are they, how many times a week are they training? Just two, upper and lower. Okay. So 
let so you're gonna have your main movement yep so so we've talked about this even though we're mainly focused on hypertrophy i still like to start with a heavy compound movement and schoenfield said six to 12 reps really you can stimulate hypertrophy anywhere from five to 30 reps is is pretty much the the real range yeah i wouldn't start at 12 I absolutely wouldn't either, especially with your compound exercise. I would stay closer to five for Mm -hmm. your heavy exercises. So if we're talking about upper day first, this is going to be your bench press, your dumbbell bench, incline bench, whatever your main movement is. It might even be push-ups. In fact, if you're a beginner, it probably should be because we've talked about before how you want to do the the easiest thing that's going to be effective, the minimum effective dose. We want to milk that for as long Mm -hmm. as we can. So even just starting with push-ups. So for lower body, I'm thinking um, just any kind of squat. You're going to do um, probably four by six or something like that. Really? That, four sets of six reps. Yeah. I, I don't think for for exercises like the bench press or the squat, I, I don't like to go anywhere over 10 personally, mm-hmm. unless it's like a fun thing every once in a while where you're doing like and as an AMRAP, as many reps as possible with a given weight or yeah, something like that. Or those are fun. every once in a while, if you throw in like a set of 20 or whatever, it can be fun. But I think to really get the most bang for your buck, I would stay between five and 10 sets yeah. of five and 10. So and even just going with the three sets of five, like we talked about in training for strength would not be a bad idea. And you can, you can figure out what weight to use if you already have like established maxes at these um, exercises, you can figure out what percentage of your max you should use by looking at Prelipin's chart. So P-R-I-L-E-P-I-N, mm-hmm. his chart. <laughs> I, I think he's yeah. like Russian or something. Yep, that's a great resource. Um, so after your main movement, which on an upper body day is going to generally be some type of push. But lower body day. Lower body day is going to be usually a, a squat deadlift, deadlift, squat. So even though we're calling this our main movement, we want to make sure that it, so say our main movement on upper body day is, is the bench press. We then, if, if we're smart, we're going to do some type of pulling movement next. If we mm-hmm. only have one upper body day, because if we do too much pushing and not enough pulling, that is a recipe for disaster. You will be hunched over. It will not be, it will not be fun. You'll feel very tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll just throw off your entire kinetic chain. So we got to, so if we're bench pressing first, we want to do some type of pull next, um, a row, a bend over row. Yep, a and pull up. Really, the simplest thing you can mm-hmm. think of: one arm dumbbell row, lat pull down, anything like that. And like we said, the possibilities are endless. You could do another chest movement first, and then move on to back. However, you want to go about it. But the the idea is for the larger muscle groups, you want to do something that's heavier and more compound in its nature first and then you can move on to more isolation exercises yeah. where you're just going for a pump so i would say for rows like 8 to 12 is a good rep range because you're probably not going to be able to row that much um so the more reps you can get in there the better your form is going to be and the stronger you're going to become at that movement i feel like a lot of people will pick up like a 30 pound dumbbell and be like oh this is heavy but um you know as you progress that throughout the week. So that's why I think like eight to 12 is pretty good um, rep range for rows. From there, if we, depending on how much time you want to spend at the gym, that's pretty sufficient to 
start to cause growth at the chest and the back. But if you were, you know, you were pretty serious about it, you could then pick a pick another chest movement, triceps, and another back movement, and do a superset before moving on to your arms. Um, otherwise, yep, I would, I would definitely hit some triceps. Um, it if someone's yeah. a true beginner. I don't think you need to do a ton of arm work. No. Um, yep. But and so, it's fun. So Same thing for lower body days. You're going to start with either a deadlift or a squat as your main movement. And then you're going to do the opposite right after. So you want to be pushing and you want to be pulling because that's how your body works. Um, you need to use figure out how to use those muscles, those muscle groups together. Um, and they're going to grow best when you're using them together. And then after that, after you've kind of knocked out the main movements, then you have some freedom in filling up the rest of your time with accessories and isolation movements. Um, and you want to experiment with different sets and reps here, different attachments, different modalities, try some cable exercises, try some machine exercises, use the dumbbells, use the barbells, find out what works best for you. Um, there are certain exercises that I find work better in a higher rep range and certain exercises that work better in a lower rep range. For example, I am not a fan of doing like tricep or bicep work beyond like at the most like 15 reps because I would rather go heavier, um, and get less reps. But for example, if you're training forms, you're not going to do like sets of five on wrist curls. <laughs> like you're going to, you're going to do sets of 20 or 30 because, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Coming out my whole warm up. Yeah, but hopefully that gives you guys sort of an idea of what what training for hypertrophy looks like. And um, there are a myriad of good programs out there. Just make sure that you're doing pushing and pulling for upper body, you're squatting and deadlifting of some sort for lower body, and that you're working in a lot. You're, you're getting in a good amount of volume, meaning a lot of sets, a lot of reps and that you're being safe and staying injury-free. I would say those are the biggest things. All right. So do we want to talk about some other things that we haven't gotten to yet? Um, yeah, let's do it. So do you want to start? <laughs> okay. Um, we just wanted to touch shortly on training to failure. Um, we mentioned that this can be important for hypertrophy. Obviously, if you're going all out balls to the wall, training to failure, you're going to get a ton of bang for your buck when we talk about the mechanisms for hypertrophy. There's a ton of muscular mechanical tension, there's a ton of muscle damage, and there's a ton of metabolic stress. So it can be a really efficient way to stimulate hypertrophy. The problem with that is that it's also super hard for your body to recover from. So we can't take every set to failure. It, it just doesn't work like that. So we got to be smart on how we implement it. Usually, I think taking, say you have three sets of eight to 12 on a given movement, usually taking the last set to failure is, ne is not a bad idea. Um, in general, you, you want to stay away from failure sets on compound movements like your bench press, mm -hmm. um, your squat, things like that. Unless you're doing Swede Burns' program. Which if you're called? a beginner, you're not. It's fifth set. Fifth set. Um, but just be smart about how you implement that. Usually if I'm going to do failure sets, I like to do them towards the end of my, my training week because then you have a couple days to recover um, or towards the end of a workout or even towards the end of your sets on a given movement because then you have some time to recover. Um, but definitely do include them because 
it it's a great way to stimulate hypertrophy beyond that um there are many different ways you can kind of track how hard you're working there are concepts like reps in reserve or a rating of perceived exertion um so rating of perceived exertion that's rpe so basically if something was an rpe8 that means that you think you ended with two left in the tank so you think you could have did two more push-ups um i find this really hard for beginners to use because everything feels really hard for a beginner even if it's not actually taxing you you don't really know what a 10 is at that point so that would be something a little bit um more advanced but while you're doing this set, think about how you're feeling and and what things seem to go first. Like, do you get lazy with your bracing or do you stop standing up straight fully? Or like, let's say you're doing a hamstring curl. Is your butt coming up? Um, so definitely be mindful with all of your movements. Um, you really want quality movements here. And... The next thing is to focus on your setup, execution, and mind-to-muscle connection. That's kind of what I was just talking about. Um, All right, so a few more things here. Um, Know what exercises work well for you and which don't. Obviously, you can't know this if you're a beginner. But if you're like, hey, these um, shrugs just seem to make me really tight and I feel like I can't execute them correctly, just put those on the back burner until you feel like you can. Not everything has to work for you. Keep it simple. Um, And listen to your body. Like, obviously, you're going to be sore. That's going to come with this. I don't care who says that being sore isn't healthy. It's going to come with um, hypertrophy work. Like, whenever I enter a new block, my body feels so awful. And I've been doing this, like three, four years. So yeah, but there are some things that should feel okay and your body shouldn't be like perpetually hurting. Yeah. Talking about knowing what exercises work well for you. I think it really comes down to getting the most bang for your buck because there are millions of ways to hit your chest, but depending on your anatomy, an incline bench might feel like a great way for you to hit upper chest whereas for someone else it might be a fly at a particular angle you just never know so just be open try lots of different exercises and keep track of what feels good and what doesn't last thing here is the role of nutrition so roy and i are not dietitians we are not registered or we're not certified nutritionists but you're going to need to eat more and you're going to need to eat closer to your workouts um to make sure that your glycogen stores aren't close to depleting i mean they're probably never gonna actually deplete but um you're gonna want to eat pretty much right away after your workout uh lots of carbs protein i mean this is definitely personal preference and it depends on i mean kind of but there's I mean, a lot of science out there that carbs and protein after your workout is is the way to go but i mean like if you're if you are eating in a ketogenic way for like a medical reason or for like lifestyle preference that's going to be a little bit different for you but you're going to need to be eating more so uh figure out how to make that happen yeah i i will just keep it very surface level and i'll say you're going to need to eat a lot of protein eating a lot of carbs can be very beneficial for hypertrophy and you want to 
maximize the time around your workout, both before, sometimes during, and even after. So I generally recommend some carbs before your workout just to kind of make sure you have some quick energy. If, if you want to be really ahead of the game, fruit snacks, mid-workout. It's not a bad way to go, yeah. Or Rice Krispies. Yeah, I've definitely done that. Mm-hmm. I've busted out some Pop-Tarts in Pop-tarts. the gym before. People look at you funny, but... Well, one time I saw a guy squirting Hershey's syrup into his mouth at the gym. Oh, my God. And I was like, what is the purpose of that? And this guy was jacked. So I was like, maybe it's for the sodium. But I don't think there could be, like, that much sodium in there. So, you know, Hershey's? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But the main thing is going to be enough protein, really. Yepers. Um, Let's talk about some applications. So why would a strength athlete want to incorporate a hypertrophy block. You tell me. Because it makes you look really cool, guys. Um, Nothing's better than getting onto the platform and those lights hitting you and your uh, quads popping. (laughs) Just kidding. So technically, like we talked about earlier, a bigger bigger muscle has more potential to to produce more force because there's like more tissue there to work with. Um, There are exceptions to this, but... I feel like if somebody looks strong, they're probably strong. So, yeah. I mean, it's just you can add more force to that bigger muscle after your hypertrophy phase. When you're hitting that strength phase, that's when those neural connections are made. Um, And you're getting better at firing those motor units. Yep. Yeah, you just have more raw material to work with. Like you said, I think you're when you're when you're a strength athlete and you're going into hypertrophy block, it's because you want to kind of build yourself up bigger and better than before. So and even like mindset changes, like you look at yourself and you're like, hey, something might be working here. Like it helps the buy in a little bit. And mm-hmm. if you can buy in more, like that's great. All right. What about for athletes? For athletes, I think it's huge just for general physical preparedness. Um, a lot, I mean, there, I can't tell you how many like teenage boys ask me about how to get bigger. I mean, it's a, it's a, a really big thing. It's, and it's tough. It's hard because your metabolism is so fast and you just don't always have the resources. And I remember going through that, but training for hypertrophy for athletes is big because you need to be resilient. You need to be able to stave off injuries. You need to be able to get hit and hit back in most sports. So getting bigger is to your advantage. Not mm-hmm. only that, but muscles play a lot of roles that we don't really think about day to day, which is in your posture, in protection, um, body heat, things like that. So having more muscle is going to be good for anyone, but particularly for athletes, it's sort of the same as the strength athlete where you're just giving yourself more to work with there because those muscles have potential. They can be those bigger muscles can now produce more strength. If that's what you choose to focus on next, they can produce more power. If that's what you choose to focus on next, there's just more there to work with. All right. So gen pop kind of same thing. You're preventing a lot of injuries by growing those muscles and those, uh, I don't know. It would protective tissues be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and like just making you feel better about yourself. So yep. a huge 
boost in self-confidence if that's what you want is to look a little bit bigger. Um, that's definitely a benefit and it's not to be discounted just because it's not physical. And I think usually when training for hypertrophy, it's not always that you are going to look bigger necessarily. You're going to look different though. You're going to look more built. You're going to look more defined. It's, it's sort of like, it's, it's hard to explain, but you sort of know it when you see it. It's, it's that feeling where people say, have you, like, have you been hitting the gym or like, yeah, you yeah. look like you've been hitting the gym, whatever. Let's, yeah. Let's talk about it. So I used to be like 115 pounds and I didn't have abs and now, and I'm, I'm sure my body weight was much lower than it is right now. And now I'm like 145 and probably a higher body weight. And I have visible abs now. So it's like changes the way that your body uses food and the way that your body stores muscle and prioritizes keeping that muscle so yeah it's it's great (laughs) all right you want to hit the last one yeah yeah um the last one that we wanted to mention was just rehab purposes um if you're in a cast you're on crutches for a long period of time your muscles are going to do the opposite of hypertrophy which is atrophy you're actually going to lose muscle size so it's going to be huge to get back to that baseline and then hopefully beyond um when you're rehabbing from an injury not to mention there's going to be a huge imbalance between um limbs if it's a if it's a an arm or a leg so it's really big just to make sure you get back to where you were, take your joints through their respective ranges of motion and restore strength there, and really just keep everything protected. I also mentioned that muscles play a big role in posture and protection. So really, it's it's to anyone's benefit to train for hypertrophy. But in a lot of rehab settings, that is a main focus of physical therapists, um, athletic trainers, not only restoring function, but hypertrophy, building muscle. Cool. So that was our little um, hypertrophy discussion there. Yeah. No Q&A or anything today. We wanted to try to keep it short. I don't know how we did. I feel like it went kind of long. Like 42-ish minutes. Not bad. Um, hopefully, we will have a special guest on next week. We'll see what happens, but we're hoping to get that out to you guys. Um, be on the lookout for that. That should be a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, happy Mother's Day again. I hope everyone is safe and healthy. I hope that you're looking out for your each other and taking care of your loved ones. That's all I got. Yep. Do we want to talk about recommendations? Um, do you have any? We're watching Ozark and Schitt's Creek. So you got to have like your this is our down and dirty show and then it's like this is ha, the ha 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 yeah. after like before we go to bed. So Ozark is definitely super intense um schitt's creek is super dry like gag humor right up my alley um i don't even laugh sometimes i just laugh in my head because i'm like "Eh, that's pretty funny um so i recommend those two and then uh, of course kaylani's new album wow never disappoints what uh what would you rate it out of 10 um i like it the same as uh was wish you were here that is not Wait, a number. Um, well, I can't. I don't like nine out of ten. I kind of wish that there was more um, mean songs, <laughs> but it was really solid. I really enjoyed that album. Yeah, I like that a lot. So, do you have any? Um, 
I mean, I'm always listening to a lot of different stuff. I liked um, Mozzie's album a lot. He's kind mm-hmm. of an underground West Coast guy. Can I correct myself? Yeah, go it's ahead. It's You Should Be Here, not Wish You Were Here. Okay, go on. Um, I'm trying to think what else dropped. You've been listening to E-40. <laughs> That's one song. That I, mean, I on, hear that song every day. Uh, it was on uh, the Chris Brown, which I don't... I don't. We don't like Chris Brown in this no, house. No, but he dropped an album with the Young Thug. And there is one song with B40. I can't get out of my head. Um, I'm kind of blanking on what else I've been listening to. So I'm just gonna leave it at Mozzie for this week. Nice. All right. We will see you guys soon um, for the last episode of the season. So everybody have a a good, safe May. <laughs> Okay. Bye. You gotta cut that.